last time on the randomizer. You will be the first man to land on Mars. I think our security arrangements are inadequate and would suggest that we ask International Rescue to be present at the next launch. Thunderbirds are go. Fortunately, our services were not required, although I can tell you now that a sabotage attempt was made just before liftoff. But we took care of it. International Rescue from Zero X. Thanks. We are leaving Earth's atmosphere. Now I guess the rest is up to you. And now the conclusion. You're going where? Ah, uh, the, uh, the, the swinging stars, Father. It's some kind of nightclub. Well, that means you won't be back here till morning. Uh, I'm drunk. She won't be back here in the morning. Yes, welcome back to Thunderbirds Are Go, part two. We're doing here. And where Jeff is not reacting well to the news that his uh, his sons are planning to go out and uh, get a bit sloshed with old uh, Lady P. Probably because he would rather like to be doing that. I always suspected there was a bit of a thing between um, Jeff and Penelope. But the films seemed to to sort of hint that uh, that the boys were were interested in her as well. Yeah, that's right. It's some sort of a nightclub. Why don't we go off to the mainland tonight? Just the two of us. Well, that would be lovely, Alan. I'll wear my new dress. What goes on around here? Have you all gone crazy? New dresses? You remember? We can't leave the base unmanned. Oh, but you've got Gordon. You were you were happy to rely on him last week to, to carry out any rescue that may have come up uh, while the rest of them were away. Some coffee, Alan. No, thanks. It keeps me awake. Oh, so Alan's not happy about the fact that he uh, he doesn't get to go off and have a party. Oh, and more gorgeous shots of Tracy Island now at night time. Oh, I would love to live there. I would I would love to just visit for a day. And we're now in, uh, I think, a, a room we've never seen on Tracy Island before. Alan's bedroom. Oh. Which is, uh, it looks very nice, but it's uh, rather sparsely furnished. No, Alan. Have you gone crazy? We can't leave the place half And here we go on um, one of the more, uh, let's say, infamous sections of of Thunderbirds Are Go, the dream sequence. Now, um, obviously, dream episodes in the Jerry Anson world are, uh, by and large, not a favourite of most people. Penelope, you're 30 seconds late. So it's... I find it rather strange that they spend so long in the first Thunderbirds movie on on this extended dream sequence. But I suppose um, two reasons they wanted to do it was uh, one, to, to really push, again, the spectacle element. Um, it's not quite sort of psychedelic, but it is rather... You're dead on time. I don't know, it, it, it's, it sort of reminds me of like proper old school, big Hollywood, you know, epic Technicolor films. Um, but also we, um, we, we want to maybe get a, a singer in here. And we're now cruising past Mars. Well, it's ambitious as dream sequences go. Oh no, they're heading, it's not the swinging star, it's the twinkling star. They've given him his own movie! Ah! It's fabulous! No, no, it's an evil place. It's an evil place populated by... Oh, the worst, the worst toys. No parking problem here, m'lady. Because I've got the cannon, remember? And now 
now here we are in the Swing Star Lounge. I would love to have uh, actually seen, to have actually been there for the initial premiere of this and see, to see what the audience reaction to this was. Whether they were on board with it or whether they were sort of um, a bit confused and maybe even um, a bit startled by what's going on here. Because Penelope and, pa um, Penelope and Parker, Penelope and Alan sat in the middle of the lounge and surrounding them are static blue-faced puppets wow. who aren't uh, terrific group you know they're not doing anything because they're just meant to be part of the background you see they're way out and we have uh, the shadows here to play this uh, I, I believe this track is called Lady Penelope and I I Adore the sculpts of the uh, the shadows in this. I think they've got Hank Marvin absolutely perfectly there. Have some more champagne. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not an expert on the um, uh, the names of the shadows. I do have a, a CD compilation of theirs actually, which has uh, a couple of lovely Anderson-based uh, tracks on it. They all look pretty good, except for the drummer, whose mouth seems to be wide open at all times. It makes him look a bit creepy. But now we're bringing out... None other than Cliff Richard Jr. And there he is. And, yeah, that again, that's another reason to to have a dream sequence. We can get a, a celebrity guest and sculpt a puppet around him. That must have been such a eureka moment when they, they decided to do that. You are cheating. Now call me um call me Mr. No Taste in Music. I really like this. I mean I'm a sucker for um for things that aren't very good. But I, I love this song. I mean it's got nothing to do with Thunderbirds. The man in the moon will jump. But it's it's got a nice beat, it's got a nice uh Nice 60s sound. Cliff actually looks really good wearing um, Parker's uh, chauffeur costume. But you let him know that I got friends. So baby, listen. Oh, and the band are all, or oh, the shadows are all uh, sat on the car and. Oh. This. Hmm. Yeah, this is uh, completely pointless. For a pointless thing, it's reasonably well done, but um, yeah, it, it does have a bit of cringe factor. I'm not going to lie. When it turns up on film four, I do sort of wince a little through this section. On the other hand, it, you know, it's kind of sweet to see uh, Super Mario Nation just full-on musical number because they hadn't really included like full-on song sequences like this um you know I, I know occasionally in uh, stingray and fireball they would sing their end title song but it was never this spectacular it was never this uh this well realized I'm telling you because I got friends Baby, so it was a one-off as a one-off yeah I think on the whole. I'm gonna give this uh, give this uh, you know a, a, a tentative thumbs up, but I'm really glad they didn't try anything like this again. Well, at least not until uh, Kate Kestrel came along.
Also, apparently, uh, Jerry tells a story that um, somebody, a woman at the premiere, actually screamed at uh, Cliff Richard's puppet. Come on, let's dance. That must have been such a, a, a wonderful experience for everybody who who worked on this film and these these shows to have a a full premiere event for for their their big big epic film. And I know, obviously, the um. The film didn't do so well, and that was kind of the beginning of the end for for the Super Mario Nation world. I'll be down right away. But just for that one night, they must have felt like they were that they could have done anything. Must we? Dad needs me. He's depending on me. I've just got to go. This is an odd element of the dream as well that Alan dreams that uh, he is the only one his dad can rely on. Whereas I would have thought most children would sort of be like uh, dreaming of being uh, a bit more rebellious and not. Uh, not associating so much with their parents, but anyway, that's Alan for you. Mind the gap, Alan. I can't possibly make it. What's the matter, Alan? And it's an odd element of this film and Thunderbird Six that they seem to have picked Alan as being the um, the primary audience identification figure, at least um, at least among the Tracy brothers. Afraid. Scott and Virgil do most of the heavy work, but it's Alan who who gets the uh, the main character moments. And I, I you know he was in the show a lot, but um, not not more than Scott or Virgil. So I don't quite know why why both films picked Alan as like uh, Alan the, the the man to build the whole film around. Oh oh no. I just noticed that behind him there is uh, what looks like a stuffed, it could be a, a carved wooden alligator. Oh, I hope that's not the one Tintin got him for his birthday in Attack of the Alligators, because that would be very sad. Yeah, that's stuffed. Anyway, we're now around the pool, and yeah, we're 56 minutes in. This is the first time we've actually seen brains in this film, which is a bit of a shame. He was uh, in the uh, original cut scene of International Rescue appearing on TV. Wish John was here to enjoy the fun. But I guess someone's got to man the space satellite. Then I guess it has to be him. No reason, I just uh, I just feel very strongly about it. Father, I was just listening to the Zero X transmission to Earth. They've just announced they've safely landed on Mars. Thought you'd all be interested down there to hear the news. Thanks, John. Keep in touch. FAB. Talk to you next year. Poor old John. Just heard from John. Who? After six weeks in space, Zero X has And both films, both films, he gets completely sidelined. It's not fair. <sighs> anyway, we're now on Mars. And is this the first time that we've seen any depiction of Mars in the Jerry Anderson universe? I think it might be. And as with much of the uh, earlier special effects sequences, we are taking an exceptionally long time to pan across the surface of Mars and watch the MEV slowly rolling in over the horizon. It, um, you know, it, it certainly helps make the place look very bleak and very desolate. But again, um, just you know, just, just it just needs a little bit of a, a kick in the posterior to well, get it going. My first thought is, I think the atmosphere would be breathable, but too thin to sustain life as we know it. I have a feeling 
that we may encounter life as we don't know it. Oh, I adore that line. And obviously it's it's rather ominous setup for uh, what's about to happen with these strange little rock formations that keep popping up everywhere. But it is... Oh, it's just one of those lines that fires the imagination. These strange formations seem to be all over this part of the planet's surface. Don't ask me why, but they worry me. Why? Your imagination run riot. Yeah, Tony, I know it would be all too easy to happen up here. But can you account for the strange formation of those rocks? My first impression is that when the crust of the planet was very thin, it was struck by meteorites. As the meteorite punctured the shell, so the hot rock exuded onto the planet's surface. Like toothpaste out of a tube. A good theory, Tony. Now explain to me how the exuding rock wrapped itself into a coil. Oh, boom. Game set and match to Dr. Pierce. This is one of the many things we have to investigate. Uh, we're falling behind schedule. Can we uh, move on? Sure, Paul. Uh, sorry. <laughs> you're, you're, in a, you're in a hurry? We've come all the way to Mars, but if you two don't behave, I'm going to turn this thing right round. We're going to go home. Oh. And, of course, it's hard to watch uh, these scenes of the MEV pootling around on Mars without thinking that uh, sooner or later, in uh, in uh, some other Jerry Anderson universe, the MEV would be back on Mars to uh, encounter other alien life form. I think we'd better take a sample back to Earth. I must say, I think that would be a wise precaution, Tony. Just in case they ever come and attack us. But uh, no, nothing would uh, ever attack us from Mars. Gonna stop. Gonna blow up a priceless geological phenomenon. Okay, Ray. As soon as you fire, I recommend you stand by at the ready. I've just got a feeling. That's all. Doctor Pierce is a—he's uh, a bit of a one for for being a bit ominous and. Yeah, this this sequence of uh, the MEV crew on Mars, it you know it, it, by the end it almost becomes like we're watching Zero X the series, which is something that I would you know I would absolutely have been on board for. And of course, in TV Twenty One, we did have the uh, rather wonderful Zero X comic strip that was one of my favourites because it was uh, mostly drawn by the the late great Mike Noble, who was just oh did some phenomenal stuff um but yeah a, a slightly more slightly more mature and sophisticated take on the the fireball xl5 um planet hopping space adventurers uh fair if you haven't seen any of the zero x strips i would really recommend checking them out and um yeah just imagining what we could have had if they'd had more screen adventures anyway i've waffled all over one of the rock snakes waking up. And that is a rather unsettling image for for Thunderbirds because you're so used to everything being, you know, there's never been any inclination of anything sort of sinister or otherworldly beyond the hood and his evil eyes. Well, now we have some more evil eyes, not yellow, but red. And all these rock snakes are waking up. Oh, dear. Blasting the, the MEV. And it is, it is kind of an odd feeling to know that in the Thunderbirds universe there is alien life, there's life on Mars, but I think the fact that it is so alien and so strange and that it doesn't really have its own civilization or its own um, you know, technology or, or anything, it, it, it's just a bunch of creatures minding their own business, 
Um, it kind of it kind of works if they'd been like silly little green men with you know, funny hats. We don't know what damage this this sequence could have um, could have been a flop. As is, I think it's pretty pretty effective. The creatures are are rather rather unsettling, rather creepy. And, uh, yeah, some nice nice sparkler effects on these uh, these little projectiles that they keep launching at the Zero X. There's a whole line of them ahead of us. Well, that's going to be uh, number one on the uh, report from the MEV crew. Don't fire at strange things on the surface of Mars. But will they take that to heart? I think not. take too much of this punishment. So far, all systems are go. And this is a very short mission because they're uh, they're having to uh, to bail before the rock snakes blow them up. But yeah, that was like a little, you know, little uh, sneak in, a uh, little sneak peek into what Zero X the series could have been. And, um, right. I like these characters. I like this vehicle. I like the slightly more serious take on on Super Mario Nation's spacey stuff. And it's yeah, it's kind of a shame we never re really returned to this uh, this style of um, all these characters and uh, this lovely vehicle in the Zero X. Well. At least the Martian excursion vehicle has joined up successfully with the main body of Zero-X. What's the scheduled date for the re-entry into the Earth's atmosphere, Dan? Well, their flight takes them six weeks. So they should be arriving on the morning of September 2nd. Well, what year, Dad? Oh, no, no, we're never gonna say the year again. It's too much trouble. So yeah, that was the, uh, the great manned mission to Mars, over and done with in the space of about ten minutes. They went to Mars, got shot at, now they left. Damn. Um, I hope they did more. I don't. I hope the the rock snake thing didn't scare them off entirely, because it's a bit of a waste of money building this great big thing, sending it to Mars, or building two of them, and then uh, giving up after five minutes. Central control from Goldston. Retrofiring A OK. Zero X re-entry attitude correct. Woman at the central control. Verifying Goldstone's report. This is Goldstone. I don't need your confirmation, Woomera. Hold her steady, Skipper. I'm bringing in lift body two. Roger. So number one is successfully docked. Just bringing in number two. Everything should be fine. Radio control failure. I can't hold her. Oh, well, that was that then. What's happened? So number two has gone out of control and... Oh, exploded beautifully. Control, control. this is Zero X. Emergency. We have lost lift body two following a collision caused by a fault in our remote radio control unit. Right. And it's strange as well that um, Zero X having help us, I'm afraid. The locking gear was damaged in the collision. Having had so many problems already, now has another problem that scuppers its return to Earth. I, I, you know, I could sort of buy that um, maybe uh, damage from the uh, the rock snakes fire was maybe responsible for some kind of malfunction or maybe even the uh, lifting body was sort of knocked off course at the last minute by a uh, by a signal from the hood but as it is the fact that it just sort of spontaneously goes wrong for seemingly no reason when zero x has had so many other things go wrong to it already due to damage it's impossible to get another wing attached She's it's, unable to maintain um, height and will crash in approximately 30 Yeah, I don't know. It feels a, a slightly contrived. ...systems aboard shows that they have an escape unit failure. Unless we can get... Oh, and they have an escape unit failure as well as all the other things that have gone wrong. Ugh. 
How much money did you spend on building this thing again? It's an absolute death trap. Okay, Virgil. Take pod four with the air-to-air rescue equipment. Pod four? Yes, sir. Alan. Yes, sir. I want you to board the Zero X and... So you're, you're prepared for Thunderbird 4 use, which means... Yes, Gordon, you'll be needed too. Hooray! Gordon is needed! Gordon is needed! Thunderbirds are go! Oh, at last. Justice for Gordon. Sadly, no justice for John. I don't think we even see him for the rest of the film. Poor guy. And then when we see him in the next film, he gets, I think, one line and... It's, it's being voiced by a different actor entirely. Maximum speed, Scott. That. We're gonna need all the time we've got. Where did you come from? That, um, yeah, that little room that Brains is sitting in behind Scott's chair has never been seen before or since, I believe. It makes sense that, um, that there would be a room like that on Thunderbird 1. I think we saw the, the winch room in, um, the uninvited, and in Crywolf, there's I think a chair sort of on the floor next to Scott's, but it's um yeah a whole nother room on Thunderbird One. Central Control, this is International Rescue Thunderbird One. Anticipated your call. We're on our way. We know you're useless. Don't worry, we'll take care of it. Yeah, it's um from here on the the rescue well. The rescue of the Zero X crew, they're not going to save the machine itself because they can't. I've been requested to pass a steer to you. This is all very, very slickly done. Um, there's very little padding here, there's very little that doesn't need to be here. And in that sense, it's a really nice showcase for the, the Thunderbirds machines and the Tracys and everything they can do. I just, it, it almost feels like, though, by this point, that um, everything in the book, but the escape unit... they've left it a little too late to star in their own film. National Rescue had been with us this time. They might have come up with something. If it's the Zero X crew of... Well, Zero X itself have, have been the primary focus up to this point. They require to make contact with you. Changing to Channel 4. Well, they have the Simpsons now, don't they? Gee, I'll be glad when Scott's got his mobile control operating. We'll need his assistance in locating the Zero X. Oh yeah, because without that mobile control, you'd be uh, you'd be really scuppered, wouldn't you? What, what does mobile control actually do? You better get up the Astrodome. Okay, Virgil. I mean, it's a radio, and that's about it, isn't it? Zero X, this is mobile control. I hear your instructions. For the next ten minutes, lose as little height as you possibly can. Oh, I was gonna carry on plowing her straight into the ground, but oh, thank you, International Rescue. That's a good idea. Passengers into the escape unit, and then. Pray. In the meantime, take Ooh. further instructions from the pilot of Thunderbird 2. It's a rare mention of uh, religion and faith in the uh, supermarionation world. Thanks. Alan, Gordon, stand by. Zero X, dead ahead. FAB, Virgil. Oh, there's that uh, gun section that Brains was using back in Ricochet. Coming in below you. Now Gordon's, uh, Gordon's have a go at it. A lower nose landing gear. We're going to put a man aboard and attempt to fix the escape unit. Release air brakes, Greg. Right. And now this rescue sequence is um, very reminiscent of what International Rescue did back in Operation Crash Dive to rescue the uh, Fire Flash. They had to, um, in that instance, they sent Gordon over to, uh, to check things out. So it is rather strange that... Um, well, no, I suppose it's not strange if it worked well enough in that episode, and it's a suitably spectacular climax to the story, then why not try it again here? It sounds mighty dangerous to me. 
It is mighty dangerous, and we do want to try it. Now hold it steady. We do have some uh, safer plans, but uh, it involves putting Alan in danger, so I'm all for it. Oh, that's a gorgeous shot of uh, Thunderbird 2 cruising in underneath the uh, Zero X there. Stand by to hold position. When this, when this film gets the effect stuff right, it really gets it right. That was beautiful. Now, mobile control from Alan. Okay, brains. So now, once again, we have Alan in as the uh, the big hero to save the uh, the crew of the Zero X. He's the one who's been winched aboard. Wiring harness. Brains is on the ground offering uh, technical support. Doctors Grant and Pierce, hold tight. I'm removing you to escape unit. I love these shots of the, the Zero X crew cruising through the interior of the ship on the way to the escape pod. Again, it does make me wonder what other rooms are on the Zero X because they just seem to be strapped to their seats. There doesn't seem to be any way in or out of the uh, the rooms we see them in except via the. Uh, the escape route their chairs take. Anyway, Alan is now taking out some tools to uh, have a go at the uh, junction box on the Zero X. And reconnect them on one block so we get a direct link. And I suppose it, it makes sense. It's, it's, it's a bit more realistic that International Rescue would at times have to do sort of consult diagrams and um, meticulously reel off numbers of screws that need to be adjusted uh, with John Pertwee's sonic screwdriver there of course but uh, it, again it doesn't make for an exceptionally thrilling sequence when we're just listening to some numbers as uh, Alan removes some screws we don't even have any music for this actually I've just realized which is quite uh, quite unusual um, I'm sending you both back to the escape unit and there isn't really there isn't really much music at all in this second Switch the automatic pilot. I'm staying here. I'm sending you two back now, and that's an order. Yes, Good luck, Paul. I get the big damn hero moment all to myself. Nobody else, you hear me? I'll go back into the escape unit either when it's fixed or when we're at zero feet. It'll help. Thanks. Oh, that's a nice understated bit of bravery from uh, from Captain Travers there, who again seems like a, a proper Supermarionation hero character. Maybe it's the fact that it's... Paul Maxwell's voice again, and, and he's the captain of the ship, but you know, he feels like he's got the same qualities of bravery that, that Scott Tracy and Troy Tempest and all the rest of them had, so it's really a shame that we never never saw these characters again. As I said, though, except in the comics, which uh, were awesome. Dangerously near the ground. Play out more cable. I'm coming alongside Zero X. No, Alan dropped the screwdriver. This is thrilling stuff. Will he be able to reach it? Will he? No, he fumbled it. Oh, and that's that. Bye-bye, screwdriver. Bye-bye, Zero X's engines. They've gone as well. And a nice boom. So, without the screwdriver, Alan will have to do, again, exactly what Gordon did in Operation Crash Dive. And hold the two cables together to connect the circuit to release the escape pod. Oh, but he's not got much time. There's uh, stock footage of Portugal coming up fast. Immediately. Alan from Virgil. Jump at the end of five-second countdown. Five. Four. Three. Two. One. He's bailing. Will the cable hold? Whoa. And this 
a shot. Oh. oh, it was up to Scott to manually release the uh, escape capsule, and he was almost in a world of his own there, dreaming about something, but... Oh, there's shot of Zero X ploughing into the ground. Um, despite the fact that there's that annoying judder that would happen on a lot of um, model shots sometimes. This looks absolutely beautiful. Everything being demolished and disintegrating and exploding and Zero X just seems this unstoppable force that keeps ploughing through everything. <sighs> and of course, they went and built another one. Because, you know, it's failed catastrophically twice before, but, you know, third time's a charm. Okay, Verge. Escape unit. Are you okay? When I like this. Thunderbird 2 from Zero X Escape Unit. Yes, we are okay. Paul only just made it. He's badly shaken up. That Greg Martin answers, and just for a moment you think, oh, maybe Travers didn't make it out, but of course he did. We heard. Well done. Yay. From Gordon, we can't retrieve Alan. Yay. Oh, no. The cables are now fouling the side of Thunderbird 2. We'd better drop him to the ground. <laughs> yeah, Gordon's had enough of Alan for today. He's, uh... I think that's Fab 1 below. Oh, okay, yeah. And this... Speak... Did I mention contrivance earlier? Yes, this is somewhat contrived as well. Hello. Why not drop Alan down here? As soon as we heard the forecast crash position, we made our way here. <coughs> Rubbish. <coughs> hmm. Yeah, uh... Wait, who told them the forecast crash position? Oh, I suppose it might have been on the news, but even so, from the UK okay, to America, I think Craigsville was in America, in like, what was it, 35 minutes? Ah, uh, I know Fab One is fast. to come here and pick me up, But... Uh, After that brilliant performance, I think that's the least you deserve. But at least this can all tie up Alan's, uh... Alan's dream fantasy of, of uh, a night with Lady Penelope. Your hotel, is that correct? That Parker is quite correct. Oh, and she found time to book a hotel. Hmm. She had all this planned out, didn't she? You mean you're going to take me to the Swinging Star? Just the two of us? Just the two of us. And Parker, of course. It's like a dream come true. <laughs> Here we are at the real swinging star, which uh, is built on the um, nuclear reactor model from the Mighty Atom, oddly enough. This must be the most memorable day of my life. I feel like a real grown man. But you are, Alan. You are. Particularly with that snazzy moustache you're wearing. You see, we have to wear a disguise sometimes when we're out in public, in case we're recognised. But, well, it doesn't stop you from telling everybody your names. You've never worn a disguise. In fact, by the next film, you're basically telling everyone that you work for International Rescue and secrecy's gone out the window, but... Disguise. Pretty good, eh? Why, Dad, what are you doing here? So everyone is now wearing a disguise. Congratulate you on your great performance today, boy. <laughs> Me too, Alan. Scott, um, clearly needs some uh, advice on those glasses. National Rescue success. Verge! Who else is here? Congratulations on your performance today. And tonight. So everybody's crashed. Alan's dream night alone with Lady Penelope. Alan, one of the most comforting feelings a man can have in this world of ours is never to be alone. Oh, whether he likes it or not. To Alan, 
the hero of the day. Two Except for Scott and Virgil and Gordon, whom we didn't even invite to this, but no, it's all about Alan. Well, that's made him happy anyway. So that was... Yes, thank you, and, hmm, as it's an odd one to talk about this, both of the Thunderbirds films are, are rather odd to talk about because neither of them quite recapture the magic of the, the television series, for me at least, and I think the flaw with this one is we spend relatively little time with the, the, the International Rescue gang, you know, the Tracy family, the, the characters that we know from the show. And I know a lot of time in, in the episodes was spent sort of establishing the the characters who were going to be thrown into danger before you know, International Rescue rolled out and saved them. But in this, I think we spend like the first 20 minutes on that first flight of Zero X and it ultimately goes nowhere. So some gorgeous effect sequences in this, you know, some of the best that the Anderson team of any era ever put out. But I think maybe they just got a bit too carried away with all that and sort of lost sight of the fact that in the TV show they'd they'd really built up this this core of, of characters that we all loved. You know, we loved the characters as much as we loved the effects and such. So, you know, it's it's nice, it's it's visually interesting and exciting doesn't quite have the the magic of the TV show but um, you know still one of the best films I've seen all year 